Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you. Yeah, you. Oh, my God. In the game. Rubbish, Ollie. Uh, free agency frenzy is the name of the game today. Me, Ollie, Matt, Sherry, all here for you and ready to go. Breaking down all the big moves, all the quarterback moves, all the retirements. Loads for us to get to. So let's talk football. This is the Gridiron Show. afternoon. Oh wait, hold on, it doesn't matter about that, does it? I keep forgetting because we're doing a podcast, not a radio show. Uh, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Ollie, this time, getting you yeah. in the game. Why are you in such a grumpy mood? Don't know. You do appear to be in a right grump today. Well, you came into the office, walked through TalkSport 2 without even acknowledging that anyone else existed. Well, did anyone acknowledge me? We, we were well, having, did anyone acknowledge me? We were having a conversation. If you're I didn't want to interrupt. If you're desperate for people to acknowledge you uh, when they're in the middle of a conversation, that's just you being well, needy, buddy. I, I wasn't. That's why I didn't acknowledge anyone. But you could have just said, hello, as you walked through. I you didn't, didn't want to, You I were didn't. head down, headphones so, on. Well, Willie. Then you let the door shut in my face yeah, as then I, I followed you. Then I opened it. You're a disgrace. But also, I didn't want to interrupt the Will Gavin show for The Office. You're an absolute You know, I'd, 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 there was stuff going on. I just thought I'd go straight through. I was listening to stuff on my headphones. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like you uh, pigeonholing me, even before the show starts, in a bad mood. Now I am in a bad mood, and that's your fault. Good. I'm glad, because you don't deserve to be in a good mood. Um, there is this concern over Matt Sherry on Skype. Uh, he, we appear to have lost him. Apparently he's gone back to the output for the other station that operates out of here and can't hear us as hearing... Jim White! Shouting at people as he interviews them. Well, you know, what do we do about that? Has someone booked Skype? Uh, not that I can see, no. So well, I, let's, let's take him back. Just take him back. There you go, Matt. You're back. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, if, if they've tried to use Skype, buddy, they haven't sent out uh, a bid for it or anything, so uh, if they take you back again, just drop us a WhatsApp and let us know. Yeah, well, I have just somebody saying, All right, Moosey! Ah, so the moose is meant to be dialing in on Skype. No, no, no. he'll be dialing in on Comrex. Where's he today? Uh, AC Milan, I think, isn't he? No, that was yesterday. Okay. I don't know where he is. Well, no, but surely he's well, still doing that game today. Oh, this is ridiculous. Let's time code this. I'm cr- getting rid of all of it. Uh, morning, Sherry. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you guys? Yeah, very well. Thank yeah, you very brilliant. well yeah. indeed. Apparently, Paige Van Zandt's going to be in work today. I've just seen an email telling us. So, uh, uh, if you don't know who Paige Van Zandt is, she's a really, really hot. Isn't that yesterday? Lady. Tomorrow she's meant to be in. Uh, I think it says today, doesn't it? No. Ah, oh, tomorrow. Boo. Oh well, there we go. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's podcast world, so it could be any time. <laughs> she could be here now. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I get to meet her, does yeah, it? Yeah, but but right now she could be here. When people are listening, she could be here. Who is this person? She's a, I don't know. She's a UFC um, fighter, and she is really beautiful. As is well. she the one from Norwich that did the sex tape? No, no, that's Paige from WWE. Oh right. Who they they're making a film about her with starring The Rock? Really? Yeah, it's like a. It's already been made. It comes out later this year. 
what is it like a rags to riches yeah, yeah exactly oh does she start in norwich that uh, would be, yeah yeah exactly filmed in norwich yeah oh incredible i'll uh, definitely see that <laughs> i imagine you will uh right should we talk about football because there's no point in talking about our personal lives because there's too much football to talk about for us to uh to dilly and dally oh by the uh, way why have they brought that over oh, here oh it makes why me so angry it's crap it's so rubbish it's a- Oh, if Why I was in a bad mood before, I really am now. It's so unfunny. Oh, it's so just, painfully unfunny. People that do it to you as well. In America, people would do it to us. Every bar we went into, pretty much, oh. someone would hear the British accent go, Dilly Dilly! And we're a, a deadpan. What's that? Don't know. Make me sick. Just get out. Maybe. The thing is, when a broadcast heavyweight like Will Gavin uses it on a, on a big show like this, it's just going to spread further, isn't it? I said Dilly Dally, which is a perfectly acceptable phrase for not faffing about. Yeah, but the thing is, dilly dilly means literally nothing, dilly. and and Bud Light have ruined it for everybody. They've ruined dilly dally. They've ruined dilly and dally and dilly dally together. And Ollie loves a dilly dally. Ah, oh, mate, I'm all about the dally dilly. <laughs> right, can we talk about the football now? Uh, before we <laughs> stop dallying, <laughs> stop faffing. We'll, we'll change it up to faffing. Right, I think San is really hot. We'll by talk the way. about yeah, no, we'll talk about the quarterback moves in a moment. And we'll kind of kick off the show with that. And maybe from those teams spread out to the other moves they've made as well. But a couple of big retirements in the NFL that we should uh, kick off the show talking about. I mean, Paul Poslosny is not really as big a retirement to most people. But I think for the Jags, that's a uh, potentially bigger loss than many would expect. And him and that giant chin not coming over to London every year to give me a particularly monosyllabic interview, as he has done the last three years. It's going to be disappointing, not going to lie. But we should talk about Joe Thomas. 10,363 consecutive snaps. Played the longest streak in the NFL since they started recording snap counts. Seven first-team All-Pros, two second teams. A Pro Bowl in every single full season that he played. What a guy. First ballot Hall of Famer, surely. Uh, and what was amazing, have you, have you guys heard the or listened to the Tomahawk podcast when he discussed how he was going to be uh, retiring? No. Tell uh, us, t- tell that, us that, all about that, it. That, that we were meant to go and do a joint podcast with them at Radio Row and I completely forgot. We will we will sort out getting uh, Joe Thomas on at some point because uh, he has said he'll come on. So now he's retired. I'm sure the next week or so he'll be absolutely, uh, completely inundated with media requests. But, you know, once that's once it's died down a little bit, we'll try and get him on around the draft to talk a bit of Browns. Um, yeah, on the, on the Tomahawk show, it's really interesting because he talks about his health in that final year it sounds like when his knee finally went and he and he uh, you know the streak ended and he stopped playing that he'd been dealing with that injury for some time and he talked about there were periods of time where he couldn't even bend over and tie his own shoes and they were having to manage it constantly with you know injections and physio and yeah the amount he could practice was constantly limited and it kind of just stuns you i know we follow the game quite closely so we know but this is yeah, it just shows you how many of these injuries these guys deal with and play through week in, week out. It's a, a punishing sport on the body, it must be said. A brutal one, and that's why I think when you've... I mean, I think with Joe Thomas now, the, the situation was as well that unless he was going to get traded to somebody like the Patriots, Green Bay, New Orleans, you know, one of those teams with an elite quarterback and a great chance of winning a Super Bowl, I mean, what's the point? I mean... Cleveland sailing next season for all the same to have done some decent stuff is probably to win eight games. I mean, so what do you gain by just playing another year when you're already in the Hall of Fame? Cleveland 
for all that would be loyal to him are never going to give him up for nothing to one of those teams so it just makes so much sense and by all accounts he's kind of killing it in these interviews to do some broadcasting so it's always nice, I think, to see a guy go out on his, his terms who's been such a great player. There, there is a question here, because I just reeled off all those very impressive stats, but let's look at the more negative side. Joe Thomas is the best left tackle in the NFL over the last 10, 12 years. But in 11 seasons, they only had one winning season his first year, that 10-6 and six season, where, do you remember the Titans beat the Colts backup on the last, backups on the last day of the season to knock the Browns yeah. out of the playoffs? No playoffs, playoff appearances, just 48 wins in 11 seasons, played in front of 20 different quarterbacks. And I know you could look at the, the terrible drafting and quality of that organisation top to bottom when you talk about Joe Thomas, but it kind of inspired me to look at the other kind of best left tackles over the last decade. And this was my short, very improvised list on the tube. I might be missing one or two very obvious names, but I had... Trent Williams, Jason Peters, Joe Staley, Tyron Smith, Andrew Whitworth as my kind of five that I thought of immediately off the top of my head. Between them, they've got about three playoff wins, one Super Bowl, but that's a ring that was earned after the player went down injured seven games into the season, one other Super Bowl appearance. Are we overpaying left tackles a bit when an average player at the position with a good quarterback is good enough? I think it's it's one of those positions that there's such a premium put on that if you get a good one it's really hard to marry it up with a great quarterback because I mean as the Patriots have just found out with Nate Solder who is a, a good average to good mid tackle uh, left tackle sorry you're going to have to pay him 15 million and a quarterback 20 million and in this era 30 million I mean that's 45 million dollars to have both of those guys locked in for a long time together so I think it's a it's a huge position but I think in reality a good quarterback overcomes a bad offensive line by getting the ball out so quickly so I think you're better off with it if you have a, a top tier top three four five quarterback you're better off with a, a good offensive line because I think good quarterbacks make bad offensive lines better yeah I just it just stunned me when I looked through that list how average overall the uh, performances were when we look at you, you you want to talk about guys who make that many all pros that many pro bowls at positions like well, quarterback being the obvious one, but even running back, wide receiver, corner, pass rusher, you know, the other positions which are mostly in that list well paid. I know running back isn't, but there's a longevity issue there. But every other of those positions, they're the other kind of top five paid positions in the NFL. And I argue left tackle is the lowest team impact of all of those from what we've seen over the last 10, 15 years. So just kind of you know, made me reassess my feeling about the position and maybe we're just overpaying them by a few million a David year. Bakhtiari, four-year, $48 million contract signed last uh, uh, two years ago. Now, um, you'd say that he's one of the better left tackles in the league, but that's an awful lot of money for a guy who shimmies along that line. Maybe they're paying for his versatility, I don't know. But yeah, you, you kind well, of, you're also, right there's there. Also, there's also the fact, Rolly, that I mean, you think about it. A good left tackle does not make a great offensive line. That's oh, like, a great. That that should be on a bumper sticker somewhere. Have, <laughs> specifically, Joe Joe, Joe Thomas's <laughs> or Joe Staley's. Specifically Let's on his say, car. Why? We need to trademark that. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, well, yeah. you, you have a great left tackle. It doesn't mean your offensive line is good. And and let's be honest. No matter how good your, your left tackle is, if if you've got a, four of the terrible guys and you're going against decent pass rushers, good teams will just put them on the other guys. I mean, it's 
I just think how much money can you really invest into an offensive line and then you need to kind of divide that by your figure and get an average figure and try and get five decent guys maybe rather than one elite guy one swallow doth not make the summer I've just looked at that Bakhtiari deal that is absolutely primed to be renegotiated this year that is not a front-loaded deal at all. No, get him, get him signed up again. Eleven million against the cap this year, fourteen million in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Yeah, but the problem the problem they've got now is like fourteen million for Bakhtiari, who is a legitimate top five guy when he's on the field, looks good in comparison to fifteen and a half for Solder, who is at best top ten. It's so there you go. Who try and renegotiate? He's probably going to want more than the fourteen million he's scheduled to get. Right, let's work our way through the uh, through the big signings of the last stage. Because it has top, been top tackle this, talk. Yeah, I, absolutely. I love that we've started with ten minutes on the O line. Well done, guys. Um, uh, look, one ten minutes on a, about the O line does not make a great show, though. <laughs> very well, very good, Ollie. Very good. Um, look, let's start off with. I mean, this feels like the most active free agency in terms of the illegal tampering period in terms of the number of kind of trades and moves being made that I can remember in recent memory there's always I think there's always a lot of deals being done but this is the first time there's been a lot of deals worth talking about being done in such a short space of time you know we've already done a show three or four days ago where we covered off a lot of the moves that were going to happen or had happened and the amount that's happened in that intervening three or four days is is absolutely nuts and we'll start off with the quarterback position and we'll start off with the most obvious one Kirk Cousins is a Minnesota Viking three years 84 million dollars guaranteed it sounds like he did have even more than that on the table with a couple of other teams willing to offer him upwards of 90 fully guaranteed Uh, the fully guaranteed element is obviously one of it and I think that that obviously brings it much more in line with contracts that you see in baseball, basketball. And it's interesting to see someone like Doug Baldwin tweeted about how Kirk Cousins is an absolute hero because over the last two years, he's refused to... He's bet on himself. He's refused to take a deal under what he was willing to take. And then he's become this first NFL player with a fully guaranteed deal. But I think it's going to be insanely rare to see anyone outside of the quarterback position given this kind of deal. Yeah, without a doubt. But, I mean, it makes sense from a quarterback perspective. Like, it's not like Kirk Cousins is getting cut in the next three years anyway. And, obviously, you could argue that he might get injured. But if he signed a six-year deal, the first three years would probably be guaranteed anyway. So, I'm not sure it's that groundbreaking. But it is going to be important in terms of, as you say, for quarterback contracts. And and I think the cautionary tales of somebody like J.J. Watt in the last two years are the reason why nobody outside of that quarterback club will, will get one of these deals. Ollie, does Kirk Cousins to the Vikings make them the favourites for the NFC? Is he any? Is he that good? That's my question. I don't know if he's I think that good. I think there's been a real shine put on him yeah. because of this free agency period. And, and, and nobody wants to remember how a lot of the Vikings success last year was built around Pat Shermer's offense like yep. I, I know that I know that they've recruited the coordinator that everybody wanted in theory but in reality it's still a different system so the, yeah, the, I mean, the I pressure on John Filippo now at this point is absolutely insane because actually I think what we're going to see Case Keenum going to the Broncos, two years, $36 million, uh, and them, uh, them then moving on from Trevor Simeon who's now the Vikings backup I, I think Case Keenum, there's a real risk of a huge, huge drop-off there because he's not in that same Pat Shermer system. And I, I, I kind of feel like Kirk Cousins, 
Are their team technically better today than they were three days ago? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a better quarterback than Case Keenum, but potentially not in a better offense. Yeah. Don't be don't be that surprised to see Kirk Cousins putting up worse numbers this year than Case Keenum put up last year. Yeah, that's the question. Is he a better quarterback than Case Keenum was last year? Not what we think Case Keenum is generally, and and also, I mean, has he ever shown any indication of being a guy that when? the money's on the line is going to deliver for you which to me forgetting everything else is still the number one trade I look for in a quarterback and I'm not sure there's any evidence that he is uh, what makes what kind of interests me about this whole situation with the Simeon Keenum stuff is that you hit the nail on the head there what we saw from Keenum last year that's one thing is Case Keenum a much better quarterback than Trevor Simeon I don't think so from pure raw talent perspective yeah but I mean Simeon's problem is I just don't think he's athletically built to sustain for 16 games and, and at least you get that with Keenum like I mean the best of Trevor Simeon is, I think Keenum is slightly better than I don't think he's a million times better than but he's sustainable over a, over a whole season which is important and I, and I, and I quite like Keenum I mean I, I like him as a, as a guy and, and his story mainly and I loved him in college but yeah, I mean, I think he's a slight upgrade, but I think the two-year deal is smart for Denver on that one. I think you're great. You're absolutely right in terms of the the kind of guy he is, because I think we saw it the way that he reacted to Nick Foles after that NFC Championship game and kind of went to him and said, you know, if anyone deserves it, you deserve it. You saw what the kind of character that Case Keenum has there. So I do think they're bringing a good guy into That's their the backup QB sort of... Uh, camaraderie there though isn't it well, they, the backup... they, but they played together in Los Angeles yeah, as well true, of course so true. they are they are buddies but um, yeah I, I'm I'm not convinced in any way shape or form that I would the... say he's still the third best QB in the NFC North who sorry Kirk Cousins I thought you meant uh, Trevor Simeon. I was like, what? No, no, no. Well, I thought, I thought you were Simeon, Rogers, Cousins, <laughs> Simeon. Simeon's like, the fourth best quarterback in the NFC North. So you think Simeon's better oh. than Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah, man. I don't know. What's it- Trubisky done? We haven't even seen him throw. We don't know how good Trubisky is. We're going to get on to the Bears' moves, but I think the Bears have made very clever moves in terms of what they needed to help Trubisky be successful this coming year I'm not convinced in any way that with Bill Musgrave and, and Vance Joseph and the the fact that they're going to lose out on at least one of those top two receivers that they've got there if not both of them I, I, nothing about what the Broncos are doing this year suggests to me that they're going to be able to ascend to the levels they've been at previously in the AFC West and you know I, I, when we're talking about rankings in terms of current positions within divisions what they're the third best team in the AFC West, maybe even last. I mean, I mean that's that's very generous. I don't know. I, mean, I, I think that the, I think they're comfortably fourth at the minute. I mean, because that, that's projecting the, the Raiders to improve dramatically under Gruden, and I, because I think they will. But I think the Broncos are in trouble again. I mean, they, they've lost that kind of magic dust on defense, and Wade Phillips isn't still isn't there anymore. Like, I think they're a long way behind the other three teams at the moment. Uh, let's move on. Drew Brees re-signs with New Orleans. I think it's a deal we all expect it to happen. Two years, $50 million. Only $27 million of those guaranteed. And apparently he was offered elsewhere, uh, possibly by the Vikings, um, a Kirk Cousins-style 
fully guaranteed two years, 60 million odd dollars. I think he's made the right decision to stay in New Orleans in terms of the talent they've finally amassed around him in the last couple of years. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, both been incredibly impressive. Terran Armstead was brilliant last year and finally getting stuff going on the defence. So I think if he wants to go and win a championship, he's the kind of, he strikes me as the kind of guy who'd want to do it in New Orleans. Tom Savage comes in as his backup. So, you know, a rare occasion where taking a bit less money and staying where you are is the is the decision made in the right one. I think so. He's um, he's he's obviously in well into the back end of his thirties. He uh, he's earned an awful lot of money. He's got that relationship with Peyton. He's got the relationship with the city, with the area, a, a place that we love, and the the, the pull of of Nola. Um, and we've only we spent I don't know three days there. It, it, we loved it. He's spent the last however many years, ten years there. So I can understand why he's signed on. And he's so like revered in the city yeah. and so involved in the city I mean uh, the only thing I would criticise from this is like what took so long Drew? like everybody knew on all sides that you would probably take the lesser deal it sounds like this deal's been on the table for him for a while and the Saints eventually went to him and said look are you going to sign this because we are literally going to move on if if not I mean which which is ridiculous because the the, the absolute prime aim at this point should be to win championships and maybe if all that isn't hanging over the heads, they can make a bigger run early at Jimmy Graham, etc. So, I, I just think that that deal should have should have took place a, a long way before this tampering period started. Uh, let's talk Browns and Bills, their quarterback situation, because Tyrod Taylor has gone to the Cleveland Browns. We talked about that a little bit on last week's show, and I'm I'm not I'm not in any way convinced as Tyrod as a as the Browns quarterback. I know it's only going to be there as a bridge guy, really, but. I kind of I hate the fit in terms of the other players they've got there and the way that Hugh Jackson's offense was so simple last year. They did nothing kind of particularly interesting with their route concepts, etc. Did nothing to nothing to put Tyrod Taylor in a position to be successful. Uh, so there, there is some slight concern there for me. I think he's not a great anticipatory thrower, which is a problem. But I, yeah, I like Tyrod Taylor overall. I'm just not sure about the fit there. The Bills take the the pick that they've got, which is the first pick of the third round. They then trade Cordy Glenn away, which we touched on last week, to move up in the first round and go and get AJ McCarron on two years, ten million dollars. Um, bit of a weird one. The kind of uh, well, kind of talking about the Browns overall and what they're going to do at the top of the draft. Uh, from the Browns' perspective, they got Tyrod Taylor. That doesn't preclude them from taking a quarterback at the top by any stretch of the imagination. Slightly more bizarre to me is Carlos Hyde for $15 million, $6 million of that this year, because everyone thinks you're going to take Saquon Barkley. I know that they've got a lot of money to spend, but that just feels like throwing money around for the sake of it and maybe indicating to people that you're not going to take Saquon at the top, which could devalue the trade worth of that pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but does it... I don't know, it's a tough one because it, ultimately if they're willing to take a quarterback at four then they should just trade out of the first pick. You know, if they, if they were going to take another player anyway then they may as well trade out of the first pick anyway. So I don't think it devalues the, the, the pick that they trade because in those circumstances just trade the first pick. Like, I, I mean, and, and we'll get on to draft stuff down the line but for me, there's no way in hell the Browns should be should be drafting Saquon Barkley. In it was no, absolutely not. I, I'm, so it was so frustrating. The moment he brought in Tyrod last week, every single 
you know, gobshite in the NFL or beyond was going, oh, that clearly indicates they're going to draft Saquon Barkley number one now. Why? Think about who they've missed out on in the last three, four years because they've not gone and got a quarterback with their best pick or been aggressive and moved up for one. The the Browns, for every other problem they've had, their biggest problem for that entire of the Joe, of Joe Thomas's career is not being able to find the right option at quarterback. Don't waste this year when you've got two or three obvious guys at the top there. By four, three quarterbacks could have gone in theory because we talked and just about AJ... probably would have. Well, AJ McCarron going to the Bills, I think that they are prime now to trade up from 11 to either two with the Giants or three with the Colts. Colts makes way too much sense for me because they can package essentially their first four picks from this year or try and trade at least one or two of those out for a pick for next year for a team who are in such rebuilding mode that actually that they would jump at the chance of four picks in the first 65. I, I, I mean, you could argue the Giants could take a quarterback themselves anyway, but there are four clear quarterbacks at the top of most people's board and there are maybe seven, eight teams who are looking to draft a quarterback. So don't put yourself in a position where you're left with the fourth best guy at number four because other people were more aggressive. It's not that you're guaranteed to love the fourth guy who's available either. I mean, even if they draft a quarterback at one, there's no way I'd be drafting Barkley at four either. I mean, you, you draft a running back in the top ten if you think he is the missing piece. Like, the Jaguars with Fournette, the... Cowboys with um, with Zeke. I mean, those are the only times it makes sense. Like, it doesn't make sense if you're completely a million miles away and you need to just be building talent because the the only time you're going to see the fruits of that guy is probably three years down the line. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You need guys who instantly. You just need to collect as much talent as you can, and you need to take advantage of the window of being able to collect that talent at the top of the draft. Which, if you get better will not be there in two years time so how far I think sorry I was just going to say I think with the quarterback if they take a quarterback at one and they get to four and two other quarterbacks are taken that gives you the choice of Fitzpatrick Chubb you can trade out and go and get the best defensive lineman still a few picks down there's so many options there Ollie sorry yeah how how far does that mean that uh, Saquon Barkley could fall because I I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was lower end of the 1 to 10 mix I mean well, if you and, and also does, is he that much of a transcendent talent I don't think he's a million times better if better at all than some of the running backs in the last few drafts and I think he's really good I mean he's probably pound for pound the best player in the draft but I mean you could argue that Zeke was the best player in his draft but that people are now overvaluing running backs compared to what they've been doing in recent years it's it's a weird weird situation well, I mean if you if you look at it We'll say maybe the Browns don't do it. Then the Giants, uh, no, I mean, I they're not going to do that. The, the the Colts, okay. It looks like um, it it looks like Frank Gore might be going to Detroit. They're but, the they're the most desperate team to trade out of anyone. But they're going to trade out. So then you've got the Broncos. where well, they've got C.J. Anderson. The New York Jets have just signed a couple of running backs. Maybe Tampa Bay, but there are other defensive issues that they need to address Chicago have got Jordan Howard San Francisco have just signed Jarrett McKinnon to that massive deal and Oakland Raiders maybe maybe falls all the way to the Oakland Raiders the problem with Tampa Bay is like I think they're the first logical one but at what point do they start accepting that you can't just keep pumping money into your offense and not seeing any returns on it like every single season of last year Deshaun Jackson OJ Howard I mean there should already be enough talent on offense 
especially when the defence was so average last year. They need to go defence, 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 don't they? Um, here's, here's, I did a little bit of research into it when I uh, was flying off the handle a little bit on Twitter on uh, the night that they made the Tyrod Taylor uh, trade. I, I, like you say, I love Barkley, but I looked at how many running backs taken in the top five have proved being worth it. So since 1980, 27 running backs have gone five or higher. Of those, I think only five have proved worthy of that draft pick. That's a less than 20% hit rate. Um, admittedly, that could go up if both Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott prove long-term value. But this, is, this was the list. So Edger and James, Marshall Falk, Eric Dickinson, Ladanian Tomlinson, Barry Sanders... I'm not convinced that Saquon Barkley I mean, is up there. Peterson, the mix. Peterson wasn't drafted until... Oh, where was he picked? I thought he was picked like was eighth. Was he? Was e- everyone desperately searches where Adrian Peterson was taken. Uh, I'm, I, was, I thought he was about eighth in that draft, but maybe he was taken. He might have Seventh, so yeah, he wasn't in the top five. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Adrian Peterson would obviously be in that mix if taken at, at five, but yeah, I, I just, it's, uh, it just seems crazy to me the level that that value has gone up to, particularly for teams who are so desperate elsewhere. Um, we haven't even got through the quarterback moves yet, so let's uh, let's finish running through these quickly. Deshaun t- Kaiser to Green Bay. We'll talk more about the Green Bay moves in general, but, I mean, that's clearly an upgrade on uh, Brett Hundley from what we saw last year, so no problem with that whatsoever. Um, Sam Bradford to the Cardinals on that one-year... Fifteen million dollar could go up to twenty with the uh, with you know all pro appearances and playoff appearances etc. Obviously, the knee and the ability to stay on the field continues to be a problem, but they've gone and got the most talented quarterback who is actually available outside of Drew Brees. And considering where they are in their organisation, I don't mind that roll of the dice at all. Yeah, I mean I'm a bit conflicted on it because I just think. I'd love to know what other teams were in the mix and what money they were offering because I refuse to believe that they needed to pay that much for him. I mean, and, and it looks worse with the AJ McCarron deal because for all there seems to be this massive groundswell of people unconvinced that McCarron can be any good. I mean, they pay, Buffalo paid him like five million a year. I mean, they could go up to eight million a year. Like, that's a big difference between eight and 20 for a guy who. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not as purely talented as Sam Bradford, but at least he'll probably play all season, which all the evidence suggests Bradford won't. But, I mean, you know I love Sam Bradford, Will, particularly the the opening week last year, which I thought was still the best quarterback and performance I saw throughout the season. But it's just such a health... I mean, I, I think I'd have offered Bradford like a, a deal with five million guaranteed, and then if you, if you played 16 games, you got another seven million, and then a few incentives for postseason and stuff like that, and I and I, and I refuse to believe that that wouldn't have been a, an offer that would have gone. They also got Mike Glennon two years, eight million dollars, so they've got their clear backup there as well. And I still think they're very much in the mix to to draft a guy if there's somebody available. Chase Daniels goes to the Bears, two years, ten million dollars to back up Trubisky. Let's just talk about the Jets. Josh McCown returns a one-year, ten million dollar deal. They get Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year, $5 million deal. They'll still draft a quarterback as well, you believe. I'm all in on this. This is, you see what Bridgewater can do. You've got McCown, who's played at a decent level the last two years and is perfect for being the guy to to work above a rookie. Well, and Everything if, about this is, is just seems like sensible money spent to me from and, New York. And the thing with uh, Josh McCown is everyone thinks that he's going to go into coaching 
when he leaves, finally leaves the NFL, probably at the end of next year, but who knows, he might come back for another one-year deal. So if he's working really closely with Teddy Bridgewater, who, again, he's a bit like Kirk Cousins for me, I don't know how good he is. I don't know what he's... I, there isn't enough to, to show of what he's done, that, which is actually any of real substance or any good. But... I quite like what they've done there because McCown is a, a loved guy in the in the locker room. People, teams love him, coaches love him. He will be a coach, and then bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, it, it kind of works. And then you can just move on from the Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg debacles. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on these. Um, it's I think the Jets and the Bills, and obviously don't want to say it because two teams in the AFC East have had probably the best off season so far all round in terms of the clear thought that you can see in every move that they've made and the Jets have signed good players as well I mean Avia Williamson is a quality player and, and and the deal was nowhere near as big as I thought it was going to be for him based on the other deals I thought that was one of the best deals in free agency that was done they signed Tremaine Johnson as well who's the best cornerback on the market so I think the Jets listen, I think the Jets were really well coached last year they've upgraded their talent they seem to have a sensible approach to the quarterback situation it's it's unjets in every conceivable way, but that's a good thing. Um, yeah, Tremaine Johnson is getting crazy big money at the Jets, but he has proven that he's a good corner, and they're obviously clearly dedicating themselves to trying to make that secondary really strong. And they're also favourites in the market right now to kind of jump ahead of ourselves a bit. But Tira Matthew was uh, released by uh, by uh, Arizona and. There are quite a few safeties still on the market. I was looking through it. Kenny Vaccaro, Eric Reed, Morgan Burnett. You add Mo Claiborne in at, at corner. There's still plenty of opportunity to bring guys in in the defensive backfield. But if they get Tyrion Matthew as well to play kind of in the versatile, probably mostly out of the slot, but he can do a lot. He can play free safety. He can play strong safety. I know they invested a lot of safety in the last draft, but add him, add Tremaine Johnson, and suddenly what was a weakness, their passing defence, suddenly looks like one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say on that is Matthew's comments suggest two-year deal with, I'm hoping the Patriots, but somebody like that, you know, any of those teams who you would consider in the mix to win the Super Bowl and the Steelers, you know, could be an option. He could be the next Troy Polamalu at the Steelers. That would make a lot of sense. So, and their secondary's trap, absolute crap as well. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting if they did get him, but I've got a feeling Matthew seems like a guy who wants to go to one of those kind of winning organisations and maybe he'll do it for a bit less money. He's only 25 years old, but, you know, I guess... Going ring chasing at that age should be seen as a, uh, I guess, should be seen as a, a, a positive rather than. I think it's the perfect age to do it as well. You sign a two-year deal. If you win a ring, then you're 27. Go and go and cash in again. Like that's how I would look at a career if I was an NFL player. Right. Let's um, let's work through some of the other moves we've liked from recent days. I'm going to throw it out to you guys. Uh, name me a move. Name me a player. Name me something that you've either liked or disliked uh, that we've seen so far over the first day of the season. Um, my favourite is Trent Murphy, who I was desperate for the Patriots to sign, and apparently they were in the final three to sign. Um, I get that he's coming off a torn ACL, but I'm not sure with that. And that- and a, and a suspension and- as well. I get the PED suspension for the four games, but he's also not the first player to take PEDs, is he? Like, that just happens. But for me, in his last season, he flashed kind of, maybe not a leap, but high-end pass rush potential. 
and to get that for seven million a season is is good good value. I mean, and what's seven million a season? It's worth a flyer at seven million a season. So I thought that was a really nice deal. I would, in terms of the the potential upside, which is basically what I look for in free agency, is is those guys where. Yeah, you can get a solid player, but there's the upside to become this, and I think he's got that upside. I, I think we we we've given the Bills a bit of love. Let's give them full on love because we. I mean, the only my only problem with the McCarran move is that they've left themselves in a position with no starting quarterback, which does. I said it earlier. How is McCarran not an option as a starter, though? I think as a long-term option, I don't think he is. I, I don't yeah, think we've seen enough out of him to suggest that he's a starter. I think he's got some of the best PR people in the history <laughs> of the NFL. Because, do you remember when we were all convinced he'd be picked in the, th- in the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, they end up getting taken in the fifth? Yeah, but you're talking about a guy, Will, who won in... And, and I know Alabama's a great team. He won some big games. I mean, I remember... Tiger Stadium night game a year they won the national championship where he led a touchdown drive in 55 seconds like I I have no issue with McCarran and and by the way the little bit that we saw of him in Cincinnati he was pretty good I mean I think McCarran is a great deal for the Bills and I think that if I had to bet on it now even if the Bills draft a quarterback AJ McCarran will be there their starter in September, and I give them a chance to be pretty good. I don't think if they go into negotiations with the Colts, the Giants, people like that, and they're getting absolutely frisked for picks, and they turn around and go, well, we're not that bothered, we'll just start AJ McCarron, the other GMs are going to be that convinced by that argument. That's kind of my point. I think we'll they, they still know that the Bills are desperate to go and get someone this year. But they got AJ McCarron, got Trent Murphy, Starlo Talele, who I can't find any information about the money on his deal, but you bring Carl Williams back, Starlo Talele, who probably has had a bit of a drop-off the last two years since that Super Bowl run, but we've seen play at a really high level on the interior of that line. Um, bringing a couple of their own guys back, I think Buffalo have done a really, really good job in free agency so far. Not something that's always been the case with the Buffalo Bills, so... Uh, yeah, nice to see, like you say, uh, we talked about it with the Super Bowl. AFC teams actually stepping up and trying to make a challenge and doing it by making intelligent off-season moves, and we're seeing a couple of teams do that. So and, and the, Another another team on that front in the AFC is the Titans. I mean, they've done some great work. Um, Malcolm Butler is a very good cornerback who didn't have a great year last year, but... But I don't think he had a terrible year. He obviously no, just he had the he had he the horrendous situation with the Super Bowl, and he's spoken out about that and and said that he still hasn't been told why he was sat for the Super Bowl at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a combination of Belichick having the arse with him all year because he hadn't played that well all year, and also, I mean, he'd been ill, so I think ill and practiced terribly apparently so I think that is a part of it that nobody wants to mention let's be honest what we've seen from the Patriots this off season and Josh McCown we can't expect anything like courtesy from their coaches can we they clearly don't care about humans they just know they want to go and win yeah I think you mean McDaniels but yeah absolutely who did I say Josh McCown, it was a great guy. Well, you can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't my God. I, like, what a mistake to make, because Josh McCown is a great guy. Josh McDaniels, less so. Um, uh, I like... Well, you obviously love the Dion Lewis signing. I still am not as convinced. I know the health is an issue, but I'm not as convinced by him as a back as you are outside of that, because I think that even when he's healthy, they had such a strong rotation, such a regular rotation in New England. He's never gone in and run the ball 25 times a game, three or four games in a row, and really proven himself to be a worthwhile back doing that. The last season, Will. And I mean, I wouldn't have given that money if I was the Patriots either, because... 
I don't necessarily value running backs that much. But I think from a pure talent perspective, he is outstanding. The problem is you're not going to keep him on the field often enough. I mean, the final couple of games of the year, he was great. And for most of the last few games of the year, he was great. And the only reason he didn't have... I mean, he had 24 and 26 carries the last two regular season games. He had 15, 15, 13 and others around that. And the only games where he never was Miami where they got pretty much blown out, if you remember that game. And Buffalo, Miami and Pittsburgh in games where, you know what the Patriots are like, they just threw the ball. But I think the only question with Lewis is whether he can be healthy enough to carry the ball that many times. I, I, think, I think the thing is, is that they've paid him like a starting running back, whereas actually what I'd like to see them do there is use Derek Henry as an every down yeah, pounding the rock and use Dion Lewis in the more in the role like he was used previously at the Patriots outside of those two games where he had twenty plus carries. But I think they've paid him like a guy who's going to carry the ball twenty times a game, and I'm not sure he's that guy. I'm really not convinced. Yeah, but I, he, he's a good player, and I mean, as we've seen with Jarek McKinnon, that that is the market seemingly for that kind of guy now. Because you've got to remember that kind of guy is great on third down as well, but. And then, and then the big, the big thing for me with the Titans is they've had the combination of signing free agents, but re-signing some of their better guys. I mean, Avery Williamson left, but Daquan Jones is a really good interior defensive lineman who used to play for Penn State and has been very good for them since he was drafted. And Josh Klein, the guard who he was at the Patriots at one point, and I think he went straight to Tennessee from there. He's a really solid guard as well. So. They, they kind of retained some of their own and mixed in some nice free agency deals. The only thing I think with Daquan Jones, who I do like, is the style of play he is. You look at the other guys on the market, the likes of the Dontari Pose and stuff like that. Um, Benny Logan last year. They took, had to take one-year deals and they're still in the market this year. It feels like the kind of player that you don't need to give three years $21 million to. But I like that they've kept their own guy around that he did have an impact when he was on the field last year. Ollie Hunter, talk to me. What, uh, are there any moves that you want to highlight from the last uh, from the last few days uh, since we basically last potted that you like don't like? Well, I mean, you guys have gone through quite a few. I, I quite like for Patrick Robinson that he's uh, got paid by the Saints. He had a good year for the uh, for the Eagles last year. He's gone back to the Saints. Um, I think five million a year. Well, I mean, that's what it works out to four years for twenty million. I think that's relatively risk free, and he he'll be it'll be interesting with him along with Vicaro and Lattimore. Um, and well, the car um, Marcus, bigger, though. ah, damn it. Well, but still, you know, it'll be interesting, especially with that that backfield. Um, Marcus Williams, and you'd expect him to be better uh, than than that uh, busted play against the Vikings. And he had a good, he had a nice year as well. But I quite like what they're doing defensively in the backfield for the Saints. And, um, I think they've maybe overpaid a bit for Demario Davis who is Mr. Consistency. But I think I we need to try and not see too many of the deals through the prism of our previous thoughts on contracts and think of it with the new cap space and the fact that you can, you can give a guy three or four million dollars extra on top of what you normally would have done previously because that cap space is there. Come on, Ollie, you're avoiding talking about the Packers. I want to talk about the Packers. Well, I think Jimmy Graham, it, it, it didn't quite work out in in Seattle. I wonder if... The, the Green Bay Packers will be able to use him like Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton managed to use him in in in. They've been New they've Orleans. been desperate for that kind of seam yeah. stretching red zone threat tight end for ages, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers still would have rather kept Jordy Nelson around. That's the impression I get. 
I mean, it feels like that from his Instagram and Twitter posts <laughs> uh, and the outpouring of love. I, people, I, I put out a tweet saying that uh, Jordy Nelson had been on the downturn ever since his, his his second big injury a couple of years ago, and then someone replied, "Well, wasn't it because wasn't it because there was no Aaron Rodgers last year?" I don't think so. I th- no, it wasn't. without without Aaron Rodgers, both. Um, Devontae Adams massively stepped up and even Randall Cobb was a better receiver than Jordy Nelson and I think his his breakaway pace and he's still a great route runner but it's no longer quite there for him I, I think he's just I think he's completely done Nelson and I'm, I'm massively stunned that there's such a big market for him like, it seems that teams want to sign him and I, and I can't believe it I mean obviously he's going to get a, a deal somewhere but I've got a feeling he's going to get a much bigger deal than I would ever expect for a guy who I think is finished. Can I just say, Ollie, you're absolutely right on Patrick Robinson. Now, and I'm a bit biased because I interviewed him when he was crying by his locker at the Super Bowl, and he was lovely. And he just signed like a one-year $500,000 deal last season, and it turned it into this. So it's a great story. But he was, he was, he was the best slot. Season. He was the best slot and, corner in the NFL last season. Yeah, and I mean, Aaron Colvin. Aaron Colvin got and and just how much more important that position's becoming and uh, another guy the Patriots were meant to be interested in and I, I was thinking the number would be like maybe three years at eight million a season so I think I think that New Orleans did really well to get him for five million a year and if you think that he's the guy his interception of Case Keenum turned around that um, uh, that NFC Championship game for the, the Eagles and it, it was pretty much downhill for the Vikings from there and uphill for and flying for the Eagles from there so I think yeah it's it's a great deal what do you guys think of the Mo Wilkinson 8 million a year I know on I, I other podcasts yeah I, really do. I think that's another one of the better deals because he he can still be a really good player if he's if he's interested and he's not going to be interested if you give him a long term deal based on what we saw at the Jets and I just think he's one of those guys. I mean, he has to play well, or it's basically you're not going to get touched again. So it's last chance alone for an extremely talented player. My worry would be that he plays well and they sign him to a big money deal next year. But for for this deal right now, I think it's a really, really good deal that is minimal risk for the Packers because you say the eight million, but even a lot of that is incentive based, isn't it? So I think it's five base, isn't it? Would, would, yeah. would, I mean, the question is: Would would I have been convinced that Teflon? Dom would have got anything out of him, no. I quite like the fit with Mike Pettin as well. Yeah, I think Mike Pettin's a guy who's going to... For two years at the beginning of his career, so... When it, he was good. When he was good, when Pettin was good as well. So <laughs> it, it's almost, Oh, we need the really old Mike Pettin sucks drop. Where's that? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a match made in heaven, really, for, for me. And I think it, it's not necessarily a great need, but maybe they'll shuffle him along the line, playing a little bit of, of outside on that defensive line because you've got Mike Daniels in there et al so I, I like I like that deal personally from a Packers point of view I, I think it works I like it a lot more than I like the Jimmy Graham deal I must admit because the, the Graham deal is one of them where he to me his big problem is that he got found out for being massively soft and that is not going to change but also like you said can they figure out a way to use him like New Orleans did well Everything we know about the Packers recently is their offensive scheme is an offensive scheme master is the most stubborn man on planet Earth. So I, I'm really not sure that'll work out as well as I think it should. Um, 
moves that are, quick one that I don't like I don't like what the Giants are doing particularly at the moment overpaying Jonathan Stewart overpaying Nate Solder I do like Alec Ogletree um, oh, quite wow. a lot and it's a position they've needed a lot of love for for a while but you know, it looks like they've overpaid Patrick Omame as well Kareem Martin is is a bit of a just a guy kind of guy and he's been really quite heavily paid and insanely paid yeah I, I just they they are throwing around money like a lot there I know there are a lot of teams throwing around money at this point but they're not actually in the best of positions to be throwing around money um it looks like they're in a kind of win now mode and I'm not I mean, maybe their thoughts are, well, we've still got a couple of years left of Eli. We need to be in win-now mode. Which but is bizarre because I'm not as convinced he by isn't that winning all. anything now. No, quite. Um, should we talk about wide receivers, just in general? Um, I'm going to start off by talking about the Bears, but then we kind of need to talk about the way, how inflated this market's become. So they get Alan Robinson, three years, $42 million. Can't remember the guaranteed on it. Um, they've also brought in Taylor Gabriel as like a, a guy who can stretch the field. Trey Burton's come in who... For all intents and purposes, many people thought that he could be a number one tight end and was only not in Philadelphia because he was playing behind Zach Ertz. But I really like the Robinson and Burton signings when you take the money out of it because they're the exact sort of players that Mitchell Trubitsky needs. They need He needs guys who, if he's working in a kind of timing-based rhythm offense, lots of play action, lots of rollouts, the stuff that's going to make Trubitsky successful... I mean, Alan Robinson, when running the the play action in Jacksonville before this last year when he got injured, was one of the best, probably the best since Jordy Nelson at doing it in the league. And so I think they're they're really good signings from a personnel perspective. But man, are wide receivers being overpaid left, right and centre. Oh, I mean, yeah, I I have no issue really with the Robinson deal. I mean, because I I just think that that one season he, he was legit awesome. And... His injuries just a torn ACL, which at this point every player <laughs> just a torn with. ACL is amazing, <laughs> isn't it? They pretty much deals with one at some point, don't they? So, I mean, it's a lot of money, but I, I really like Alan Robinson, so I'm kind of okay with it. The Sammy Watkins deal is the worst contract I've ever seen given out in the NFL. Like, <laughs> the king of hyperbole returns, and and this is like. I loved Sammy Watkins in college and I loved him when in I think it was his second year where he really started to look like a player but he was injured I think in his first year the foot issue that he had in his final year at Buffalo is basically chronic and he had 39 catches in Sean McVeigh's offence last year 39 so the Sammy, Sammy Watkins coming out of college going into the uh, into an Andy Reid offense with Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and now if Pat Mahomes proves to be, you know, uh, you, puts those tools he clearly has to good use in the NFL, I love that fit in fit in theory. But the injuries and the actual production since he's been in the NFL suggest he should be on a contract close to half what he's being paid. I remember laughing out loud <laughs> when when they were talking about the Rams franchise tagging him, which would have been less money than this on a <laughs> one-year deal. And the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have previous with overpaying wideouts that you probably wouldn't expect to be played, and Jeremy Macklin being one of them. So it's a bizarre move. And almost equally bizarre is the Dolphins going for oh Albert my God. Wilson. Can anyone figure out what the Dolphins are doing what at are they all? Doing there? Let's talk about them in a second. But I'm just going to read out... Sammy Watkins has stat Oh, God, here we go. You might as well fade him down because he's going to go for a while here. He played 15 games, caught 39 of 
70 targets for 593 yards and eight touchdowns in the best offense in the NFL. <laughs> and he's just been given the biggest contract by a wide receiver ever. Is oh, that point? Deep breaths. In and out. I mean, even that great season in 2015, he only had 1,050 yards. I mean, in 13 games, so not bad. But, I mean, we've had two years now of him basically being unable to run. Right, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. Albert Wilson, terrible money. Danny Amendola, well, you know, he's a guy you save for January going to a team who aren't going to be playing in January. Uh, Robert Quinn is a guy who's seriously on the down. Uh, then you've got losing Indomitian Sue, losing Jarvis Landry. They might as well try and get rid of Ryan Tannehill at this point because they are in... No, can they? They've just converted his salary into a signing bonus, so they can't even cut him next season now. So you've got a guy who hasn't played for two years, pretty much, who you have to keep for the next two seasons because you've already given him his money. My Tannenbaum is the worst. He's just the worst. He's having a he's having a rough time. Sh- shambles, and their uniform is one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah. So they are. <laughs> it's a great just, kit, it's a, their, their, their throwback kit is glorious, but everything else is is awful. Just to come back to the wide receivers quickly, another guy who is being horrendously overpaid. Uh, it was a great kit watch, mate. Uh, Paul Richardson in Washington. What? What's Five years, $40 million for a guy who is probably a wide receiver three. And actually, I like Paul Richardson, but I don't like him for anywhere near that money. And I hate him for a, a Gruden scheme fit. He's like He has at no point in his time at the Seahawks shown that he's a guy who can run those intelligent routes that are needed when you're stacking receivers when you are doing lots of kind of crossover stuff when it and like alex smith isn't a down the field guy i just it makes the fit makes absolutely zero sense to me i completely hate that move um I mean, his best season is 700 yards receiving and that by the way is a dramatic upgrade on his second best which is 288 what the hell are they doing um, Baltimore, Ryan Grant and John Brown. They've always been rubbish at wide receiver in their time with Ozzie Newsom. That's not going to change when you're throwing money at those players who don't really... I mean, John Brown is kind of like they've gone, well, we needed Tory Smith back. We've never had a player to replace him. John Brown's really similar to him in that he's going to stretch the field but not catch very much. I just... Oh, honestly... Honestly, makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, what else have? Who else we're, haven't we talked about? Do you, uh, oh, we're not talking about the 49ers yeah, yet, have what, we? What do you think of uh, Jarrett McKinnon? Four years, thirty million dollars. Okay. I actually quite like it. But I, I'll, I, you, I'll let you have the floor. Right. To, th- each of the 49ers deals, and you have to consider with all of these the nuances of the NFL contract. Because r- remember when the Richard Sherman deal first happened, and we haven't actually talked about that yet. But the f- the headline was three years, thirty nine million dollars. Actually, fully guaranteed money is three million dollars. If he is fit and healthy at the start of training camp, and he st- and he plays and he starts the season, that goes up to seven million. But He's coming off two Achilles surgeries. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. So you've got to always take that into consideration. Jeremy McKinnon is being horrendously overpaid for this year. $12 million he'll get in year one. But what they've got is an abundance of cap space 
a need at the position. He's a great scheme fit. And what then happens is that when you get into next season, the season after, once you're starting to have to pay some of the more successful draft picks you've had, once you're looking at more free agents to continue to build it around Jimmy Garoppolo, his money will drop down and that will recreate cap space for people. So... It looks like a very silly deal from a money perspective. I think they can survive with it. Like I say, I love the scheme fit. Yeah. I really like Weston Richburg as well. I think he is... He didn't play in that kind of outside zone scheme in New York that is run by um, Carl Shanahan, but he clearly has the athleticism to do it. Anytime we've seen him get to the second level, he can do it. He can play centre or guard, which is kind of important for our problems at the moment, although I think he will play centre. I know they've just paid Daniel Kilgore a decent amount of money, but I think they just saw a guy who was a great fit for the scheme, and you know he can be what Alex Mack was to the Atlanta Falcons, to the 49ers in theory. And then Richard Sherman. I mean, when the headlines first came out that San Francisco looked like the likely landing spot... I'll admit that I had I was initially kind of torn about a guy who on the field I've obviously disliked for 5 years as a guy who's had to lose to him pretty regularly over that stretch of time. But the deal is so team friendly it's ridiculous. He's a guy who can come in and work with Akilah Weatherspoon and and all those young guys we've got coming through. He's a great leader. He's a great guy off the field. So I mean it makes perfect sense to me. What kind of amazed me is that considering how incentive laden the deal is that peter king story about go- him going out of the room and calling the three or four other teams that were interested in him including john snyder at the seahawks and them all saying those incentives are too rich for our blood if he goes to the all pro the next three seasons and we go deep in the playoffs then he'll be paid 39 million dollars but then it'll feel like it's been worth it yeah. if we get three all pro well, seasons out of him. Pro, then you've got the best cornerback in the nfl for the next three years <laughs> You'd usually have to pay seventeen million for that in the current yeah. market. So. That's why I don't have any problem with people going. Oh, those incentives are a bit rich for our blood. They're predicated on him going to, to going all pro and the Pro Bowl every season. The thing is, as well, like what I think with the with the forty ers is, if you've got that money, that you, you have to spend it. Like it, it, it doesn't just go away. So, as much as they've overpaid McKinnon, at least as you say, the contract structure is such that if he plays well in those two years, then you're getting them on decent value for three and four and that's when you're going to be more up against the salary cap so how do you not love what they've done I mean I think the 49 is a I, I can't think that I've seen a, an organisation who have got so much right under such a roaring new regime over what like a year and a bit now they've been outstanding from day one and they've got their franchise quarterback I'd be very excited if I was you Will if I was to pick one team in the next 15 years who have the best chance to be a legit dynasty, it would be the 49s. Woo! Um, And whilst you're handing out the love, I will hand out a little bit of love to the Patriots because whilst they have lost a a whack of talent, although that kind of happens every year you go to the Super Bowl, bringing back Rex Burkhead, I'm a big fan of, and Danny Shelton from the Browns in that trade for, for no money is just great, fine. It's an obscene side. Nobody's talking about that. Like... They, I mean, they still need to improve their front seven quite dramatically, I think. But that that was a really good under-the-radar under, under the radar move. Um, I've kind of crossed off all the ones I liked and disliked. Is there any... I mean, there's some big moves still to go, which we need to mention very quickly, because 
let's see. So, guys still on the market. So, Ndomikin Sue, I mean, we're going to be talking about that going forward. Where, talk about Seattle and Dallas for him. I mean, I thought he wanted to go and win games. But uh, the Lions have released Eric Ebron. In fact, the tight end market is starting to get flooded all of a sudden. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, Dontari Poe still out there. Jordy Nelson still out there. Carl Fuller, we talked about him being on the transition tag in the last show. Uh, no deal for him yet. And I, there's kind of a few guys as well who aren't those headline guys like Sue and like uh, Ebron and like Nelson who are available. Zach Brown has been brilliant in Washington the last uh, couple yeah, of years. Yeah, Brown as well. Can I give you four more guys, Will, who I'm really hoping the Patriots look at? Two who are about to be released. Um, Vinnie Curry and Michael Kendricks from the Eagles are going to be released by the sounds of it. And then... And this is a cautionary tale for any fans who are excited about free agency moves right now. Jarrell Freeman, who admittedly is coming off a, a torn peck injury, uh, but two years ago everybody raved about the Bears signing him. And Pernell McPhee, who has played well at the Bears and I'm assuming just isn't going to fit the scheme now, although I don't see why that would be the case because I think they kept Fangio. They did keep Fangio, but, but yeah. Guys who could they could be good pickups for teams those are both still good players I mean I think Freeman's the older of the two at 31 so still got a bit of football ahead of them so there's four guys who I think nobody's talking about who I don't know whether they'll get big deals but they might sign deals that are very good for the team to sign them uh, I think that's kind of rounded off all the free agency stuff for now. We've kind of gone... Th- I mean, we could talk about literally every deal that's happened and give it, you know, our seal of approval or... or th- oh, do you know what? Julius Pepper's coming back to the Panthers. Yeah, Love that. And and actually, Brashad Breeland fitting their scheme. Don't mind what the Panthers have done. They've taken a bit of time to do it, but um, it's, it's, it's fine. Tory Smith. What a, yeah, what a right. signing. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, buddy. Uh, we could probably talk more about the Browns as well, but uh, we talked. We're we... never talking about the Browns again until they win at least ten games in a season. Will <laughs> I put far too much into that last year? Wow, there you go. He's <laughs> come down on it. Uh, Jags, yeah. I mean, Marcus Lee coming back, I think, is the right move. In fact, we haven't talked about the Jags. We probably should. Andrew Norwell coming in big money for Andrew Norwell but clearly doubling down on what they want to do with their offensive scheme Dante Moncrief's a bit of a weird one but it's only a one year prove it deal and they've got the cap so why not I like the Moncrief deal I think he's got a lot of upside yeah it's upside alone though that's my problem Moncrief's problem was that his last two years he was in a a failing organisation in the the Indianapolis Colts and there were times I think three years ago where he was pushing T.Y. Hilton for that number one spot and he clearly has the talent I liken him a bit uh, to um, uh, the guy that came out of Cincinnati and went to the Detroit Lions who Marvin Jones Marvin Jones it's a similar situation where he was clearly behind AJ Green went to the Lions it didn't quite work out the first year but he had a great year last year so I, I would expect something similar um, for him at the Jags he'll be the big fish at the Jags so the, clearly the better receiver out of what they've got in my opinion alright guys I think that's cracked us through I um, I actually need to run off because I've got a meeting that I'm practically already late for uh, so any final thoughts Ollie Hunter no hasn't it been an exciting first day of the season oh. loads more still to come loads of draft coverage t- to come here we'll be getting Simon Clancy and Matt Sherry involved in all of that uh, I'm going to see Hamilton tomorrow which I'm very excited about what is it it's uh, I know it's a play but what, hip, what's uh, it all hip-hop about hip hop musical about American founding father Alexander Hamilton. Who's that? I'm going to see um, 
the Rat Pack tomorrow night, Will. That's the in Sunland. That is the most uh, Matt Sherry live gig that I could ever imagine you go. Yes, on. what's the Rat Pack? <laughs> it's not well, the. I imagine it's not the original Rat Pack as they are did, but I imagine it's a. It's a. It's a theatre show about the Rat Pack, and I assume you know who the original Rat Pack are. No, I'm not going to tell you, Ollie. You're going to have to look it up. All right. <laughs> Uh, brilliant stuff well enjoy that guys and we'll reconvene starting next week with plenty more to talk about alright sounds good good work guys so this has been the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you yeah yeah you in the you've got to be more enthusiastic than that go on do it again getting you yeah you you're no 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 sorry do it again getting it. you yes you <laughs> get in, in that game. game come on and of course uh, we're not that far <laughs> off the schedule which means announcement of the tour you can go and pay your re- fully refundable £100 sign up to get your place guaranteed on the tour right now at Touchdown which I believe a few people have already done well of course they have because it was brilliant last year it was you're now listening to the ma- uh, sound of a man packing his bag uh, <laughs> so guys Thank you for listening. I'm going to go and get a burrito. This has been The Gridiron Show. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. Begambleaware.org.